And there'll also be a lollipop for the children or anybody doing creative. No, no quizzes, no having to get answers right, because that's what God's grace is like. We don't have to go answer the right questions he just gives to us. So I thought this morning, as we're talking really about God's love, that uh, they would have a lollipop. They want them. Uh, so if you were looking at today's reading, that's what it's looked like. When I was younger, in fact, when I first started following Jesus, I joined a very evangelical, biblical Anglican church, and the vicar and the curate used to say to us, whenever we're preaching, we like to see you having your Bibles open in case we're telling you porky pies. Well, they, being Anglicans, they didn't use porky pies. I've noticed in most churches today, very few people open their Bibles, but there you go. But if you did open your Bible, that is what it would look like, and it probably would have a heading above called the parable of the lost son. This is what you should really do. Get out a bottle of Tipex and get rid of those headings. For Tim will point out to you, those headings are not in the original text of the scripture. They've been added by the translators. And sometimes, quite frankly, they're not helpful. They are helpful perhaps in finding it when you've lost your place in the Bible. But is today's story really all about the lost son? I think it's much more about the father's love, and it includes the lost son, or the younger son, the older son, the father and his house. So that's what I really want us to look at this morning. The father's love. And I've broken it up into three brief bits. The far country, falsehood, and the father's house. So let's consider the far country. So the son as we know, takes all his money, goes off into the far country, having spent it. We often so often concentrate on the fact that he's a sinner and he's done all this bad stuff. But think about what happens. He has chosen to leave his father's house. He's in a far country, away from his father's love. He's hungry, and he's got nothing to eat. He's lost, in a sense, all the rest of it. But remember this, he is still his father's son, his father's child, and his father absolutely loves him and adores him. Although to the father it seems as if he's lost, possibly even died. But that's the situation we find in it, that this son has chosen to go off away from his father's house and in a sense put himself outside his father's love. But his father still loves him. And so on. And really, these stories, these parables, are not true stories. I hate to shock you this, but they're made up stories by Jesus. But all his stories have tremendous meaning through them. And what I think he's trying to show us is the absolute amazing love of Abba Father. Now, some Christians struggle with the word father because of our childhood. Forget word father and substitute the best parent you could ever imagine in all the world. Because he isn't a father and he isn't a mother in a sense. He isn't masculine, he isn't feminine, whatever. Let's not go into there. But he is a parent. I believe he's a parent to the whole universe, the whole creation. He's a parent to all people in a sense. We are in a sense his children. And he absolutely loves us. Our father loves us. Wherever we are, whatever we've done, we are in his sense. So God is our father. He loves us. 
He still loves us even when we put ourselves in a far country. We may not feel it because we've put ourselves in the far country. We may be hungry, cold, etc. and so on. But this to me is the gist of what Jesus is saying about the younger son. He has chosen to take himself away from the father's love. But if you read the whole story, the fact that the father comes running towards him, the father has never given up his love for his son. He still loves us even when we are overwhelmed and off in a far country. And some of you know when I've given my testimony around my 20s, I certainly was in a very far country within myself. And I did not feel the Father's love, but he still loved me. I now see that with hindsight. Hindsight's wonderful. But from this story, think. And all of us once were in a far country. But fortunately, most of us, hopefully all of us, have come to know the Father's love through Jesus and his resurrection. And through the Spirit, we're beginning to know that love right inside ourselves. Wherever we are, whatever we do, we know his love. That, to me, is the gist of that. So I've called the second one falsehood because actually the older son is in the father's house with the father's love, but he hasn't got it in his heart. He's got a falsehood, really. He doesn't understand. His views are wrong and off-key. And many of us are like that. So think about the older son. And you can tell that because when the other son comes, his attitude is completely appalling. He does not love the other son, really. He's all about himself. And I wonder whether sometimes, us as Christians, that shows. Because if we truly know the Father's love, and he knows us in that love, the way we treat other people will be great. I know of a church recently, I'm not going to say where or what, but somebody in that church was having one of these issues to do with the LGBT whatever. And the attitude of some people in that church to that person has been appalling. Whether you agree or disagree, we are told to love. That's what God's heart is like. He always draws us to himself. He is always loving us. He's always being kind towards us. Even if we think someone's wrong and terrible, we should love them. And particularly within this church, within the people following Jesus, we should have love and compassion and kindness to those around us. But this son, because he's in falsehood, has not got the plot. He has gone in that, and his heart is away from himself. And I wonder how many of us have really captured the Father's heart, the Father's love for us. Immense, free, outrageous. Words do not do adequate justice to the love of God, Abba Father, for every one of us. The death of Jesus who reached out his arms to say to everyone, as God, I love you. And then through the resurrection, pours life and raises us into that life through the Spirit, if we'll allow it. That's the amazing love. And it's something, in a sense, that only each one of us can know. So... Is the love of the Father really in our hearts? Ask yourself that question. You need to answer it. And is that the outworking of the Father's love through Jesus in us? But then the Father's house. You see, houses aren't just houses, hopefully, for most of us. They're homes. 
They're places where we know the love of our parents, we know the love of our brothers and sisters. That's not always true. I struggled in my childhood, not that my parents were bad, but that's the ideal. It's the Father's house. That's where we receive his love. That's where we know his love. That's where he hugs us. That's where he encourages us. That's where he forgives us and raises us up. That's the picture. This is, after all, a story and a picture, but the Father's house, to me, is when we dwell, abide constantly within ourselves in the Father's love, and he dwells in us with his love. God never, in my opinion, excludes anybody from his love. You may disagree with that, but that's what I've come to think about. So what is our loving relationship to God like? Are we really knowing that and growing in it? Are we receiving it and abiding in it? I haven't gone on a lot today because the only person can teach you what God's love in the sense of receive it is God himself. So what I'm going to do today is to to play a song to you. When I came to Meadgate in 2006, some of you know, and I'm not going to go into it, I had a history of depression. Very bad in my 20s when I was trying to do a research degree and cracked up. And one of the things that God had been trying to do was to show me, teach me, fill my love, my heart, with his love. And I suppose when I came to Meadgate, that was the real bit that was going on at the time. That God was telling me he loved me. We can use that word, love me. But God started to expand it. He said, I actually like you, Graham. I'm always on your side. If you fall flat on your face and seem to be a complete disaster, you're not in my kingdom in my sight as a son. And he says that to all of us. That was what he was teaching me. So I picked up my guitar, because I do play the guitar a bit, and I wrote this song called The Prodigal. You'll know it's the story of the prodigal son or the lost son, but I wrote it in the first person because, you see, I realized that I'd been a lost son and sometimes I still am. And sometimes even when I'm in the Father's house and I'm coming to church and I'm singing these songs and I'm knowing all about him, I haven't really got it in my heart. So that's why I wrote the song and I'm going to play it to you. And it was really the Father's love that started to heal particularly some of the brokenness within me. The fact that he loved me absolutely, forever, whatever, come what may, through Jesus and the resurrection. And so that's what I leave you with, really. I can't say a lot. I I say to all of you, reach out to know the Father's love. Not as in your head and a set of things that you say, oh yes, God loves me, John 3.16. But to know with that indwelling presence of the Spirit, the Father's continually love. So I'm going to leave you with the song. Once I was in a distant land There I sat with no food to eat I was hungry, poor and incomplete Yet you threw your arms round me And you wrote to me
Love 